Thank you, Brenda. We are studying the Ten Commandments, God's most well-known rules and instructions. This one, the Ninth Commandment, might not be, it might not be the one that's most often broken, but it's definitely in the news the most. God said, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. This commandment is most commonly expressed as don't lie. According to dictionary.com, a lie is a false statement made with deliberate attempt to deceive an intentional untruth of falsehood, something intended or serving to convey a false impression. That's the, def the dictionary definition. But lying has become so commonplace that we've created new terms. It's not a lie, it's fake news. It's alternate facts or it's alternate truth. In the South, we even excuse lying by saying, oh, don't pay attention to that. That's just an. Like certain people are exempt from the ninth commandment. But God says you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Don't lie. There are different types of lies. If you tell a, a lie to be tactful or polite, that's called a white lie which somehow you've decided doesn't count as a lie. According to researchers, the three most common lies Americans tell are white lies. I'm fine is the standard answer to how are you. 92% of people confess to telling that lie. 92%. 80% of people admitted saying, I love this present when they didn't. How many of you have ever done that? And about 50% of you are liars. 78% of people confess to, to falsely claiming I'm sick. But a white lie is still a lie. Broken promises is when you don't keep your commitment or promise to, to people or God. They're lies. Broken promises lead to broken relationships, broken trust, and eventually broken lives. You say, but I didn't really mean it. I, I never should have made that promise. It doesn't matter, right? If you gave your word, then you need to keep it. An exaggeration enhances a truth with lies. People mix truth with untruths to make a story better or more impressive. It sounds better to say that you caught a four-pound fish than to say that you caught a fish that was barely bigger than the worm you were fishing with. And no one's hurt by that, right? The challenge with an exaggeration is that someone else may repeat it as truth. Your exaggeration makes them a liar. I tell our team, don't make up numbers to sound good to me. Don't tell me that you had 50 people when you had 32, right? I want the real numbers. I want the facts. A deception is when you cause someone to believe something that isn't true. You may not actually speak a lie but you're making them believe a lie. I recently saw an amazing background. And I want you to watch the people in the background. Watch. Okay, uh, picking it up here in Wilmington, North Carolina, right at the Intracoastal, and we're in one of these bands. This is about as nasty as it's been. We had some bands like this last night, and then the eyewall this morning, we were not on TV, it was the dark, raucous uh, night at the hotel and this wind gusting again over 60 miles an hour things blowing by uh, pieces of limbs this is what we're seeing a lot of shingles coming off 
to see what happens when you throw it off. It just takes off like a projectile. He wanted, believe, he wanted the viewers to believe something that wasn't true. A fabrication is purely made up. There's no truth in it. A bold-faced lie is a lie that everyone knows is a lie. I can't understand why people say it, but they do. Borrowing a story is telling someone else's story as your own. A friend of mine told me this story recently. He was speaking at an event, and before he got up to speak, the host leaned over to him and said, By the way, don't tell your tornado story. I've already used it. My friend said, Wait a second. You told a story about me? And the host replied, Sorry, man. I told it like it happened to me. That's a lie. A half-truth is when you tell someone part of the truth, but not all of it. A half-truth is a whole lie. Finally, there are technical truths. Some of you are experts at this, right? A technical truth is exactly what it sounds like. You find a technicality so you can, so that what you say, you can say that you didn't lie. For instance, you might say, I've never spent a dollar on that. True, you didn't spend a dollar, you spent $10. Or I saved $350 on this. Okay, but you still spent $700. Or I'm on my way, which means that you just got out of bed and technically you're moving. Or sorry I'm running late, I was caught in traffic, right? Because there were four cars at the, spot, at the stoplight when you were already 15 minutes late. I didn't have a drink. That's right, you had three. A technical truth is still a lie. A quick glance through scripture lets you know the importance of this commandment. Proverbs 6, 16 says, There are six things the Lord hates, seven things that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deceives, wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among his brothers. Isn't that interesting? Lying actually made the list twice. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul wrote about the earthly nature, your old life, and the importance of leaving everything associated with it behind. He said, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways and in the life that you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of the creator. You have a new nature because Jesus is the Lord of your life. When you lie, you are returning to practices associated with your old life and acting like the sinner that you once were. Don't go back. Jesus, speaking about Satan, said he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The devil is the father of lies. When you lie, you are speaking Satan's language and acting like the devil's child, not God's. 
Honesty and truth is of God. Lying and deceit is of the devil. Lying misrepresents and dishonors God. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which was being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. The word that Paul used for falsehood means lies. Paul said to get rid of the lies and speak truth because we are members of the body. Lying brings harm to the body of Christ. I often ask people questions that I know the answer to just to see if the person will tell me the truth. The answer lets me know whether or not I can trust them. Lying destroys trust. Lies may be forgiven, but they are rarely forgotten. Trust is broken for years, even a lifetime. And once you've established yourself as a liar, you will always be investigated to see if you are telling the truth. Finally, Revelation chapter 21 gives us the worst consequences of breaking the ninth commandment. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Again, look at that list. Liars are included with, with murderers and idolaters and the sexual immoral as those who won't be included in heaven. Listen, that's a big deal. When you lie, you risk hell. With so much on the line, why do people lie? I don't know all the reasons, but I can think of a few. Some people lie because of fear. They're afraid of losing a relationship, a job, or trust. They actually fear the consequences of the truth more than the consequences of lying. Others lie because failures are, or, or they want others to see their victories as bigger than they really are. Some lies are born of greed, right? Online scams, fake fundraisers, and pyramid schemes are all lies designed to make the liar richer. You might lie because of insecurity. You're afraid if someone knew the real you that they wouldn't like or accept you for you. So you lie to make yourself look better. Some people lie to get attention. You see it in the news all the time. People fake cancer or pregnancy or deaths in their family in order to get attention and sympathy. Yet other people lie to hurt others or to hurt their reputation. Their goal is to inflict pain and to turn people against their target. Social media often allows these lies to reach farther, faster. This is closely related to gossip, which is an ugly sin that destroys God's church. Finally, some people lie to see if they can simply get people to believe it. For them, it's a game. They make up crazy news and see how many people they can fool. These are the same people that want to make up stories about Disney giving away free tickets, right? Or Facebook giving away money. Or Facebook creating a new algorithm restricting you to see only 26 people. 
Listen, I can't tell you how many people have fell for that, even when all they have to do to prove it wrong is to simply scroll down their newsbook or their Facebook feed. It's a lie. And regardless of the reason or excuse, lying is a sin that clearly violates the ninth commandment. It's not an option for the follower of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we are called to be different. He said to his people, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. So I want to take a few minutes and look at the other side of the equation. Truth telling. When you tell the truth, you don't have to worry about being discovered or found out. You don't have to remember what you said. It can be difficult in keeping up with what lie you told to which person. But the truth stands for itself. When you tell the truth, your conscience is clear. You can lay your head on your pillow knowing that you've done right before others and before God. When you tell truth, you promote unity. And unity is built on trust. And trust is established by the truth. When we trust each other, we are able to stand uh, strong against Satan's deceptions and schemes. We are stronger together because of truth. Sadly, though, if you tell the truth, even if you always say it in the right spirit and with the right motive, you will have enemies. Why? Because truth divides. Not everyone wants to hear or acknowledge truth. Tell the truth anyways. Every soul matters to God. As a church, our priority must be to reach people who don't have a relationship with Jesus. There can't be any prejudice in the body of Christ. I have had people that decide that I was the enemy because of that truth. But God called us to reach all kinds of people, all ages, all races, all economic classes, and all backgrounds. That is very clear in Scripture and a very clear truth for our church. And that truth forces a decision. You can decide either that I will put aside my preferences and my prejudices and embrace the whole body of Christ. Or you can decide I don't believe that. I reject the teachings of Jesus and the truth that every soul matters to God. I'm going to find a place where everyone is just like me. You can choose, I'm not going to worship with those kinds of people. Pastor Jason, nobody would say that to you. They did and they have. Matter of fact, I was fired from a youth pastor position 14 years ago because we had a black family that started attending our youth group. But you see, their stubborn ignorance didn't change the truth. All truths divide because the truth forces a decision. All, all truth does is it draws a line in the sand. And you have to decide whether to accept the truth, believe the truth, and act on the truth. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.15, he said, Instead of speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. Speaking the truth in love is a practice that has been neglected for the church for way too long. We avoid the truth for fear of hurting others' feelings or losing a relationship. But we must be truth-tellers. I know what some of you are thinking. That's awesome. I've got some people I'm ready to tell them some truth to. In fact, I'm going to start my email right now. Watch this. 
That's a typical reaction. To think about telling others the truth instead of hearing the truth. Before you send that email or text, let me challenge you. Truth-telling should be motivated by love, not by anger. It's a lot easier to avoid telling someone hard truths and opt out of difficult conversations. Love compels you to action, to care enough to sit down face-to-face and say, I'm concerned about you. I see something in your life that worries me. You see, I'm determined to have the difficult, truthful conversations in an atmosphere of love for the purpose of building others up. It's not always easy to share difficult truth. And it's often difficult to share it in love. So here's a good principle. If you can't share the truth in love, then you are the wrong one to share it. Maybe you've heard someone say, well, I just tell it like it is right before they lay into someone with their angry opinions and their vicious words. That is not a unity-promoting, body-of-Christ-building truth-teller. That's a jerk who's using their twisted version of truth as a weapon to intimidate others. Those kinds of people have no place in the church. If you are excited about confronting someone with the truth, you're the wrong person. Keep your thoughts to yourself until you have the character developed by the Holy Spirit that allows you to speak truth in a loving, redemptive way. The goal of truth is to redeem and restore, not condemn and punish. A truth teller genuinely wants the hearer to grow and achieve God's purpose. His aim is not to produce pain or to punish the person in any way. I occasionally get nasty emails. Sometimes they're filled with vicious words that question my motives, my character, my words, and my actions. Listen, that's not a truth teller. That's an attack. The goal determines the approach. If your goal is not redemptive, you shouldn't be the one to speak or confront. I love email, Facebook, and text. But truth should be told in person, face-to-face. This is so important. People who try to be truth-tellers in emails usually aren't effective in communicating in a spirit of love. And too often, they, they sit behind their computer late at night and they spew their anger. If you have thought, I'm going to send him an email and tell him how it is, you're probably not being used by God. Don't confront over email. Don't confront over text message. You need to see the other person and see how they react. They need to see the love in your eyes and the concern in your expression. And truth-telling happens best in the context of trusting relationships. When people know someone loves them and has their best interest at heart, they're more willing to hear the truth. I've learned that many times I need to wait and prove my love before I have that difficult conversation. Truth-telling should always be preceded by prayer. Godly truth-tellers pray about it and think about it in advance. They agonize over how they're going to say it and worry about how the other person will respond. 
Most of the time they dread it, but they're relationally invested enough to follow through. I've never met someone who loves confrontation and is actually good at it. Pray before you share because truth-telling is a huge risk. Difficult conversations don't always go well. I've had instances where I knew telling the truth would likely cost me that friendship. I've had times that I knew it could result in someone leaving the church. I've had times when I knew the person would mount an attack against me and spread lies if, if I was a teller of truth in their life. I've lost relationships because I've told the truth, because I cared enough to step in and to try and make a difference. I've cried a lot of tears after some truth-telling conversations. I've talked to people about addictions, affairs, and leadership flaws. I knew going into it, it was not going to be fun, and it wasn't going to be easy. When I need to have a painful talk with someone, I pray. And what I think you should pray is this. God, let my observations and my suggestions be received in the right spirit. Let my words be laced with love and compassion. Reveal to me if my motive is wrong in any way. Show me how to communicate your truth in a way that pleases you. Even though it can be scary and things can go wrong, love others enough to tell them the truth. If you don't, you're what's called an enabler. An enabler is a person who helps someone else avoid the truth. An enabler is unwilling to take the truth risk, so instead reinforces the lie that you're telling yourself. An enabler convinces himself that by helping you avoid the truth, he is showing you acceptance, forgiveness, and love. An enabler says the truth tellers are against you. I spent a lot of time with ministers who have fallen and failed. And most of the time, they didn't have a truth teller in their life or they weren't listening to the person trying to speak to them. Or someone may have tried to be that to them, but they rejected it. Keep truth tellers in your life who love you and have your best interests at heart. I thank God for the truth tellers in my life. I don't always like it when, when they tell me the hard truth, but I am thankful to have men and women in my life that will tell me the truth. They aren't my enemy. They aren't your enemy. If you get mad at them for telling the truth, go back and apologize. Tell them, hey, sometimes I get my feelings hurt, but I needed that. I know you love me. Keep telling me the truth. I'll keep growing. I need you. I've sat with people and said, you can't keep doing that. It's a sin. If you continue on this path, God cannot bless or use you. You're going to destroy your family, your ministry, and your life. I've been thoroughly rejected and painted as the enemy. And I had them repeat things that I supposedly said, which never came out of my mouth. Why? Because the truth was something they didn't want to hear. Some people are so unwilling to hear or acknowledge the truth that they decide anyone who would dare disagree with their fantasy is an enemy. It's sad when you become someone's enemy by telling them the truth. The question is, 
Is it worth diluting the truth to remain their friend? If you do, are you really their friend? No. If you really love someone, you'll tell them the difficult truths. If you know I love you, and you know that I have your best interest in heart, then you know that I'm going to be truthful with you. If I'm really your friend, then I have to be willing to risk everything to save you from tough consequences and eternal judgment. Here's how Proverbs 27.5 says, It is better to correct someone openly than to have love and not show it. The slap of a friend can be trusted to help you, but the kisses of an enemy are nothing but lies. Maybe you're struggling with someone who has expressed concern or confronted a sin or an attitude in your life. Students, maybe you're, you're angry at a parent or a youth pastor for confronting you or expressing a concern. Adults, you might be angry with a friend, a leader, or even your spouse for addressing an issue. Know this, if you make truth tellers your enemy, you will be blinded by the truth. You eliminate your best source of honest feedback and godly correction. And we all need godly correction. You need someone in your life who loves you enough to confront you when you are heading the wrong direction. Someone who cares enough about you to express concern over your decisions. Someone who is committed enough to say, I see a pattern that concerns me. Someone that's willing to say, that's a sin, and your sin is going to carry horrible consequences. You've got to stop. You need to make it right. Often, the truth hurts. But not knowing the truth hurts much, much more. God said, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Love tells the truth. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 6, love rejoices in the truth. Maybe there's someone that you need to have an honest conversation with. You need to come clean. Maybe a lie has been weighing you down. Telling the truth is going to be difficult, but it's the right thing. You know you need to do it. It's time. Make the call. Have the conversation. Confess the hidden sin. Listen, it's not going to be easy, but the payoff is going to be worth it. I want to pray with you today. If you'd bow your heads with me. Maybe for some of you, there's some people in here that are breaking this commandment. Maybe your go-to is lying. You don't want to lie, but it's just what comes naturally to you. And anytime you open your mouth, it seems that that you tell another lie. You didn't mean to, but it, but it came out. And because of that, you've become a perpetual liar. But today, 
you hear the truth. And you say, Pastor, I want to make it right. I want to begin to speak the truth instead of lies. If that's you, nobody's looking around. Would you just raise your hand right where you are? I see hands here. God, I thank you for people in the room, God, who have admitted, God, that they're breaking this commandment. God, right now, we ask for forgiveness. God, forgiveness for lying and not telling the truth. God, for whatever reason it is, God, we're sorry. So, God, we ask your forgiveness, Lord, and we repent. We turn away from it. God, into the direction of telling truth. God, today I want to pray for people who have been avoiding difficult conversations because they are worried about the consequences of telling the truth. God, I pray that you would move us with compassion to love people enough to speak the truth in love. God, if we can't do it in love, Lord, that we recognize that it's not time to share it. God, or maybe we're not the one to share it. So, God, right now I pray for those people in here, God, that need to have some difficult conversations. God, I pray that you fill them with compassion and love for the other person. God, not to destroy or to harm, but God, to restore and redeem. God, maybe they haven't made it a a habit of lying, but God, there's one particular lie that they've said. God, either to make themselves look better, God, to, to, to make other people feel less about themselves. God, whatever it is, God, we pray right now, God, that they would feel your conviction. God, and they would make it right. Lord, that they would find that person that they shared the lie to. God, and come clean regardless of the cost. God, we want to be truth tellers who do it in love. God, let us as a church rejoice in truth. God, may we never get to the point in our own lives, God, where we begin to hate people because they tell us the truth. God, may we always be open to the fact that that maybe, just maybe, we're not perfect. God, and we'd be open to godly men and women who would speak truth in our lives. 
God, and help us to not hate them and be angry. But God, help us to be thankful for them. God, we thank you for